Do you read cards? Humankind has always been drawn to the mystical and divine, and to reading fortunes to brace for the life or death ahead. Tonight we talk tarot with artist Stephanie Cost about the deck she designed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I'm your host, Kat Loco, and tonight, like every week, I am joined with co-hosts, well, not joined with the co-hosts, but the co-hosts are joining me on here tonight, Jen Kohler and Christina Wald. Good evening, ladies. The cicadas are out. This The the pollen is up. We're all wearing our glasses, which you can't see if you're not if you're not on YouTube. Just imagine. Everything going well? Yes, it's going really well. We're recording yes. this right before Memorial Day weekend, so woohoo! Yes, uh, everybody's kind of getting ready for that. And uh, has anyone tried cooking cicadas yet? No, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Today at the illustrator's lunch, one of the illustrators there said he actually had prepared cicadas last time they came out. Didn't oh, wow. If, if uh, he was preparing them this time, but they actually said that they can make your dog, their stomach upset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the vets around us have been suggesting dogs who are keen on eating cicadas. Not every dog wants to. Um, like two thirds of my dogs don't want to touch them. Um just using a mesh muzzle just to keep them from eating them because although one or two may be okay eating more there's a lot of protein in each cicada their wings don't digest well and could hurt their tummies so I heard oh, that, kind yeah. Of, yeah so their their wings and legs don't digest well unfortunately um, chewy is living up to his name and trying to eat them so uh we're not sure if we're going to go the muzzle route or just make sure we walk chewy really early in the morning or really late at night when the cicadas just aren't as active mm -hmm. and next week we're going to be talking about cicadas yes we will be i may be collecting ones that have naturally passed away whose bodies are in good condition and putting them in a plastic baggie in my freezer so that i can mount them <laughs> in a few uh -huh. weeks and uh -huh. then i will show everyone my handiwork it's my first taxidermy job i'm quite excited well it's funny because when we were sketching at the zoo today um we were in the insect world because it was raining so we had to sketch inside and they oh, had a cicada exhibit and people would walk by it and say you'd think they would put some real ones in for <laughs> but of course cicadas don't live long enough to live in ah uh, yeah um but it was it was a really interesting place to sketch i uh, sketched these really funky looking beetles and um oh. you know another sketcher joined me today uh, a lot of people were frightened by the rain but they oh. th that's actually the best day to go to the zoo is when it's raining there aren't as many people um, yeah and we just then in the winter afternoon. too yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah the winter afternoons are the best do you go to I the nature preserve Sorry, Jen. No, it's okay. You're fine. Uh, I have been before, but I don't sketch there that often. Ah. I don't even know if I have sketched there, period, actually. What were you going to ask, Jen? I was just going to say I did notice that the cicadas in my neighborhood were louder today when I took the yeah, trash there's out. There's more of them. Yeah. It, it's mm -hmm. been up in the 90s and the 80s here in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. which is a little bit unseasonably warm. And all the cicadas decided that they needed to leave the ground and 
just join the rest of their brothers and sisters in the trees <laughs> our backyard overnight turned into cicada central and they are oh. all over my fence they're all over the um any dog toy there are cicadas they attach to our gardening gloves we left outside they're <laughs> on um my kiddo's little play tent the only place they're not on is the slide because they would just slide down it <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> attach so i have a bunch of dead half um molted cicadas around the play area which is kind of it's kind of gross i find it fascinating yeah. but i don't want side picking them up because they're kind of gooey so mm -hmm. there was a um yeah. uh, i have a classmate that works at a cemetery in dayton and she posted a bunch of pictures of gravestones covered in cicadas i should yep. ask her if we could use some for the episode next week mm -hmm. oh that'd be great because it like has but this area of creepiness yeah that it does when you see all the little shell cast offs all over everything i will not be getting close enough to photograph them sorry <laughs> i not I after my incident mm -mm. in oh with them crawling on your when head in the hair no mm -mm. yeah yeah <laughs> um i was taking video of them yesterday i have at least an hour's worth of footage between a few different nights of oh, bolting wow. and stuff like that mm -hmm. and uh and then even today I was taking photos. I'm a mem I, I've been part of this uh, Cicada Safari, which is an app you can get on your phone to help track uh, Mount St. Joseph's entomology lab, just kind oh, cool. of where they are and how they're developing and everything. So I sent them photos of all, like, they really love daffodils and they piled mm. onto my neighbor's daffodils because those have already bloomed and she had already... Um, tie them up for this for the year but there were so many attached to them it fell down like Aww. the tied up daffodils and they're permanently smushed now for the rest Aww. of the year so and there was another um rosa sharon plants mm -hmm. those they also attached to and they i don't think have bloomed yet for the year and their stalks are already drooping down from mm -hmm. the weight of all the cicadas wow. so I don't mind them on trees. I don't mind them on large bushes, but for the small plants, it's a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I just don't have that many. Here. We don't have that many yet either. There's some on uh -uh. some of the big trees, but a lot of our big trees have been removed from our yard and stuff too. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. just don't have, we didn't have a ton last time. I mean, we have some, but nothing yeah. like, nothing like some of the areas Not like that, that I've seen. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. the whole backyard is, is uh, covered with them. But yeah well the males come out first and now the ladies are joining them so mm -hmm. it could be just that you have a lot more females than you do males in your area of the city that oh. could be it that could be mm -hmm. it but the females the don't make on. sound so yeah the males are the ones that are making the sound i i keep finding okay. females now and you mm -hmm. can tell from the shape of their bum basically mm -hmm. okay. anyway i have a lot of fun cicadas stuff to talk about <laughs> next week because as you can tell i have turned into a, a cicada nerd over all of this also tonight or actually this morning was a lunar eclipse i saw oh, that way, i what? saw people posting about that <laughs> yeah um i'm trying to remember the name of it oh my god was it the blood flower moon Ooh, i oh. love the name yeah it, it sounds like a missing sailor moon character um yeah that that happened in the united states really early this morning and other parts of the world at more reasonable times of the day mm -hmm. and um yeah i've seen a few good photos of it 
on social media you can find us at sin cabinet curio on twitter at cincy cabinet of curiosities on instagram and please send us your hometown haunts weird history or the fun little trivia things about your home, local hometown to hometown haunted mail at gmail.com and of course we are thanks to jen on itunes spotify amazon and soundcloud and of course youtube because you're watching us there hello um find us on itunes at cincinnati cincinnati captain of curiosities please write review subscribe tell people about us you know uh so before stephanie joins us tonight we are going to do an utterly incomplete history of tarot (laughs) 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 we only say that just out of honesty because tarot has a really long and complicated history and unfortunately i don't think we have enough time in the day to go through every single little nuance so we're hitting the highlights this is the highlight reel so the first records date to 1367 in Bern, as they appear to have spread very rapidly across the whole of europe as many as may be seen from the records mainly of card games being banned wow they just banned tarot it wasn't as cool as chess although i think it was because they gambled oh yeah oh there's gambling <laughs> gambling so it's a think, thing isn't it so so they think that records were kind of not there because people hid them yeah that, hmm. that you had to do a lot Sorry of reading between the lines no it's <laughs> fine um although using cards for divination goes back to the 14th century likely originating with the mamluk game cards brought to western europe from turkey they were not used for occult purposes until the 18th century there is no evidence that tarot cards have origins in ancient Egypt, Kabbalah, etc. Any re- relation was more likely cultural appropriation. Often cards would be imbued with exotic origins in their meanings. Yeah, this is pretty common in Europe for people to exoticize new spiritualist things just to make them more popular. By the 1500s, the Italian aristocracy was enjoying a game known as Taroki Apoporati. Players were dealt random cards and used the thematic associations with these cards to write poetic verses about one another, somewhat like the popular childhood game MASH. These predictive cards are referred to as sorties, meaning destinies or lots. They're almost like story prompts, which I love that. I love that a lot. Anyway, just as an artist who creates story prompts on a weekly basis, I just really love that. The regular 52-card deck was used today, as we use today, is French-suited with the English pattern. Tarot decks in Europe are still used for non-divination card games. The 78-card tarot deck used by Esotericists has two distinct parts. The Major Arcana, or the Greater Secrets, or Trump cards, consists of 22 cards without suits, And the minor arcana, the lesser secrets, consists of 56 cards divided into four suits of 14 cards each. I am sure Stephanie will get more into the details of all these different cards and what they mean and how you illustrate them. Obviously, the printing press made cards in general more accessible to the masses. The three most common decks used in esoteric tarot are the Tarot of Marseille, the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck and the Toth tarot deck. Most modern decks use the Rider White Smith deck as the model. P- 
Pamela Coleman Smith illustrated a Rider Waite Smith deck for too little money in six months. This is coming from a few illustrators here on the show. That's our personal opinion. She was an amazing illustrator who did many book covers, ads, suffragette posters, and she was a British citizen who went to Pratt in New York City. She worked with Lycum Theater Group, led by Ellen Terry, who affectionately called her Pixie, Henry Irving, and Bram Stoker, yes, that Bram Stoker, in London. She was the longest time... She, for the longest time, got little credit for the design of the deck. In 1971, U.S. Games bought the rights to publish the deck, and it published it under the Writer Tarot deck because of the differences in the U.S. and U.K. copyright law. Uh, The extent of their copyright in the Wade Smith deck is disputed. In later editions, they changed the name to Writer Tarot and then Writer Wade Tarot. Today, most scholars, in order to recognize the importance of Smith's contribution, contribution referred to the deck as the Wait Smith Tarot. Tarot writers often refer to the deck with a simple abbreviation of RWS for writer Wait Smith. Wait and writer did the art descriptions and wrote the guide, but Smith did the art. They were members of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. A feminist artist also did the Alistair Crowley Thoth deck. Her name was Lady Frida Harris, and they worked on it for five years. She also helped bankroll it. In addition to the art, Crowley originally intended the Toth deck to be a six-month project aimed at the updating the traditional pictorial symbolism of the tarot. However, due to increased scope, and the project eventually spanned five years between 1938 and 1943, and both artists died before publication in 1969 by Ardo Templi orientis my chair squeak now for the good stuff the art tarot and oracle decks have become really popular almost every topic you can think of is covered i have seen a hello kitty tarot deck i kind of want it i don't know why i even found some with designed by rick and morty now i know christina and jen you two went out on a little expedition along with going to Eden Park to go see these uh, some of the uh, oddities shops that we have around Cincinnati. So what did you find when you went? Uh, they, had a, they had one Thoth deck, right? Um, and then they had like a bunch of the uh, RWS. That's much mm-hmm. easier to say. <laughs> RWS, <laughs> yes. Uh, decks. They had it, like you said, there was even a little tiny mini one. I mean, mm-hmm. I think one has to think because I think now the stuff's public domain. So you see mm-hmm. those images used on everything. Um, yeah, but they I had see a, a lot, lot of, of t shirts. They had a curiously couple of like cat decks, which was interesting. So it, I kind of felt um, seen, you know, crazy cat woman. Like cat decks, you know. Um. Well, yeah, some of them really kind of seemed like I don't want to say gag gifts mm-hmm. type of thing, and then others seemed like they were more for someone that would actually be really into it and would really practice it and use the cards, not just kind of as a novelty. Mm-hmm. That may be why the RWS suit is so popular because it just hits that. M- right in the middle for people who would be more of a 
moderate user of them to say like you respect the cards you want a set but you don't use them daily or weekly in any type of ritual to do any type of divination or other uh rites of i don't want to say rites of passage but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i mean it, it it really like if you look at and we were saying your publisher uh that published yeah. Does like they had like a Poe deck, like like Edgar Allan yeah, Poe and, and they had some novelty decks. Yeah, Schiffer really loves their tarot. Um, our editor for the paranormal section of the publisher is very much into tarot. She's written her own books before too. So um, when you texted me and said Shiver has a bunch of decks I'm like oh yeah they do that's right how did I forget but yeah they do yeah it seems like there's a lot of people that publish them and they're very they seem like very popular art projects because I know in addition to Stephanie who we're going to be talking with I know of at least three other artists that have done tarot decks or are putting together tarot decks with other artists it looks like a huge undertaking to me mm -hmm. 78 yeah. cards i can't believe that woman i can't believe that smith did them in six months i mean she had to have um locked herself in her house and All right. So everyone, our guest tonight is Stephanie Cost with her tarot deck, The Chromatic Fates. You can follow her on Twitter at Stephanie underscore draws. So I'm going to read your little. Um, oh, blurb. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie is a freelance illustrator in Seattle, Washington. She grew up in upstate New York and moved to the Pacific Northwest after getting a bachelor's in art. She has been interested in tarot cards for years and makes art based on tarot imagery, as well as nature, history, color, literature, and fantasy landscapes. You can check out her work at stephaniedraws.com. Welcome, Stephanie, to... Thank you. Yeah, I almost called this the Paranormal View. That was my previous radio show. <laughs> we are on Hometown Haunts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great. I haven't talked to many people who have undertaken organizing a tarot card deck and getting all the different artists to draw them and all the yeah. different imagery so what draws you to tarot um honestly i i've always really loved um systems where everything fits into a, a niche that all fits together really well and there's something about tarot that really appeals to that part of my brain like um it's a kind of mix of narrative and symbolism that kind of interlocks like a puzzle. And I've always just loved like the cyclical nature of tarot and how sort of everything has its perfect place and you can find basically a card for any situation. So that's sort of what keeps me interested, like, because it's a long process. Mm -hmm. Any deck takes a long time. So I feel like without that um, inherent fascination with the symbolism, you're going to have a hard time with any sort of tarot project because it's going to feel really tedious otherwise. Yeah. When did you first run into tarot? Like learn oh, about man. its existence? Uh, it must have been at least 10 or 20 years ago. I'm 31. So I, I feel like I was a teenager. Um or even a preteen when I first started like seeing tarot cards and it's because I'm into art. So it's one of those things that you see in stores and you're just like immediately drawn to the imagery. And mm -hmm. it's just fascinating. Like the, 
the ritualistic symbolism and the the way the figures are constructed in the traditional deck, the weight rider deck at least, um, there's just something really fascinating about it that kind of pulls you in as soon as you kind of see your first deck. But I, I really couldn't tell you when I first encountered it. It was, it's been a long time. Yeah, I think maybe the mid nineties with the X-Files and then the craft coming out may yeah. have brought tarot a little bit more to the zeitgeist than it would have been in previous decades. And before yeah. that, the Ouija board just kind of ruled the spiritualist like communication devices. It's, thank you, exorcist for doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, how many cards are in a deck? In a traditional deck, uh, the Weight Rider deck, uh, there's 78 cards. And then there's a few different types of decks that are less well-known. Um, but most of them have 78. Like, I think the tarot, the Marseille tarot is the other one that's pretty well-known. And it still has 78 cards, but a few of them are rearranged. Like, um, I think Strength and Justice between the Marseille deck and the, I think they call it the Thoth deck. It's just a different type of tarot deck. Um, they go in different order, but in general, everything is pretty similar to the Weight Rider deck and there's 78 major and minor arcana cards. Yeah, what are the difference between the major and minor arcana card? Arcana? Um, well, for the deck, the type of deck I'm doing, the, um, the Weight Rider Smith based deck, you can identify it um, in comparison to other decks because the minor arcana is all illustrated. They call it the pips. I mean, it's basically like the uh, the ace through the 10 of whatever suit. So like 10 of swords is a pip card or a minor arcana card. Um, and in the Weight Rider Smith deck, they, they're depicted in imagery, just like the major arcana. Um, people are most familiar with the major. They're, I call them the royal cards sometimes, but even that is kind of misleading because if you hear the term... Um, royal arcana that's the the face cards of the minor arcana so there's like minor arcana royal arcana and major arcana and the majors are the most popular they're like the death and the fool and the tower like the very symbolic archetypal cards that are more immediately recognizable in like pop culture yeah i like them all though i think they're all really fascinating yeah they are i know the death card gets brought up a lot because it sounds yeah. so dark and and it was explained to me a few years ago that it doesn't actually mean death it just means a renewal like something is yeah. stopping and something else is starting so it's not really right. as dark as people like to make it out to be yeah i think of the death card a lot and it's one of my favorite cards um almost like a snake shedding its skin so mm -hmm. it's not always scary or bad. It can be very intimidating because it usually means upheaval. Um, the card you want to look out for is the tower card. <laughs> oh. That one means disaster. But the death card usually is a positive change. It just means sort of like maybe an uncomfortable transition. But mm. it's a good card to pull, especially if you're feeling stuck or in a rut, because it means that like change is happening. It's just going to be a huge like upheaval and a, a big process to go through Cicadas i guess it is would be very good to use for the death yeah because right now i don't know about <laughs> seattle but we got billions of them outside right we now. actually don't have them i was like kind of looking forward to the cicadas because i think they only come over 17 years and i guess only the east coast and parts of the central part of the country get them so i was kind of bummed 
but yeah. my family's in New York, so they probably have them. They probably do. They're they're singing. At least they keep good hours. They sing probably around <laughs> from like ten to about nine. So they've they're quieted down now. Yeah. It's very considerate of them. They just sound like a dull lawnmower going all the time. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So this is naturally a large project doing this amount of cards. How do you find artists to participate in doing it? Oh man. Um, It was a multi-stepped process. Uh, And it was very daunting initially because I had the same thought, like, am I going to find 77 other artists to to think this is a good idea? And um, the first thing I did when I thought of the idea, I bounced it between a few friends of mine because I, I know artist that I thought would be really good for this deck especially because it was color themed and you know I I had a kind of mental list of oh so and so would be really good for this so I got I bounced the idea off because I wasn't even confident that it was a good idea at first I was like this might sound crazy it's a huge undertaking but they gave me really good feedback and then from there I went to basically friends of friends and then the last stage was I, well, the second to last stage was actually the most intimidating. I cold called a lot of people. I sent oh. out emails to artists that I respect, but have never like personally interacted with. And it was, um, it was actually kind of scary because I felt like a complete nobody, basically. You know, I, I'd never met these people or maybe I've met them once or twice, but I had to compose these emails like, Hey, you know, this is my idea. I've written up this PDF packet. That's like a mission statement. And I've, I've sort of detailed what my project proposal is. So I had to get really official with it. Um, and that honestly was a really good step for me because it, it had really positive results. Like I got a lot of people that I was really surprised. I was like, Oh, you actually want to work with me. This is amazing. Like, I'm so, I'm so excited, (laughs) slightly terrified now, but you know, I, and I never would have gotten that result if I'd stuck with the people that, that I knew. Mm-hmm. And then the last stage, um, I took it public. I think I posted to Twitter and Facebook. And I was like, hey, I'm doing this color themed tarot deck. Like, please, you know, leave me your work below and um, your contact email and stuff like that. I think I said, give me your favorite color. Just because at that stage, I had ideas of the cards that I needed to fill. So I was specifically looking for... Um, I sort of had it in mind, like, oh, I need to find certain styles that would fit with whoever else is on board of this project and that was a little overwhelming I got hundreds of responses for that so that was actually hard in completely different ways it was more about um like paring things down and identifying which cards would go with which artists and stuff like that but yeah it was a long process um and then of course some artists dropped out because inevitably life happens especially in the fall and winter of 2020 so Mm -hmm. I had to go back and there was like a short wait list of people um that I pulled in late in the project and I was really grateful that they were readily available to me so I have to thank everyone for being so good at communication with me during that stage because I was just sort of running around like a chicken with its head cut off trying to to organize these 78 different niches that I needed specific art styles for so it worked out though. We got a really good group of people in the end. It worked out really well. I'm curious, did any artists have any particular card they wanted to work on? Like, did you yes. have five different artists going, I need to work on death? I did actually. <laughs> yeah. There were, it was mostly major arcana cards, um, followed by the aces. The aces, for whatever reason, are really popular. I think just because they're 
they're more archetypal. Like you hear about the ace of spades having a symbolic meaning in regular playing cards. And it, it comes from things like this, where they have sort of symbolism and meaning involved and people have their favorite cards. And it was kind of, it was a little heartbreaking because that late in the game, I had to fill only a very narrow selection of cards and they were completely obscure. Like mm. they were usually minor arcana cards um, that maybe no one had any preconceived associations with. And I sort of had to pitch it to people. I tried to give mm. people options. Like, oh, I have three cards available. You can pick, you know, rank them please. And then I'll try and, I was talking like 10 to 12 people at once at that stage. And I had to sort of play Django with what people's availability was and what their preferences were and what I thought that their style was suited for, because some people have really dark styles and it's not always mm -hmm. suited for the lighter cards and vice versa. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, people love death. Uh, the tower and the star are also really popular. Um, I think There's those like are the, the Empress most popular. too is pretty popular. Yeah. Empress and I think High Priestess is also the other really popular one that I ran into. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up taking Empress because it was one of the last ones and I kind of have a soft spot for it. So I kind of claimed that one because I know I wanted to do one card at least. But mm -hmm. I tried to hold off my preference towards the end to, to try and get as many people their first pick as possible. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was problem solving. It was like a puzzle. <laughs> Yeah, that's project management for you. Christina is yeah. our project manager for the Cabinet of Curiosities. And uh, she and I, we can highly identify with talking to many people at one time, yes. <laughs> trying to figure out which story they want to talk about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's project management. I know it's quite a growing opportunity just in your own work to be able to start managing this many different artists. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I'm hoping. It's it's an interesting area of work that I never really thought I would be suited for, but there are definitely parts of it that I enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. The communication part, I'm still a little rocky with. I'm I get anxiety like with twelve yes. emails to look through and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of kind of finding the right fit for people and helping them find their own niche and sort of get their first and second picks. That's, there's something really satisfying about that. that I like. Yeah. I like the rank choices too. That seemed like a good it fair a way lot. of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really tough, especially towards the end of the like card picking process, because I had multiple emails out. So I'd like send emails out and then some people would respond in a few hours and some people would respond in like five days, which there's nothing wrong with that, but when you're trying to fill the same set of cards, I think ranking yeah. them really helps. I could be like, okay, you didn't get your first pick, but you got your third pick mm -hmm. type of thing. So it helped a yeah. bit. Yeah. So do you have any memorable stories about doing this project that you're willing to share <laughs> with everyone here? Um, uh, I have a few stories that I don't want to share because they're negative. Um, uh, and it just, it's like personality clashes and expectation clashes. It's a lot of like learning curve things on my end. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course with like 80 something artists, it's just going to be a lot of hurdles and unexpected expectations and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, the positive stories are all about kind of the most recent stage of things, which is where artists finish up their work and they start sharing it amongst themselves. 
So it's nothing dramatic, but it's really, um, it's like a heartwarming type of interconnectivity that starts to happen because a lot of these people have never met each other before, mm-hmm. or some of them are really new to the industry and some of them work in wildly different types of arts. We have like mm-hmm. traditional art and then digital artists. Um, so seeing them interact with each other and get positive feedback from each other and sort of like critiquing each other is really rewarding. Yeah. And I think that's kind of been the best part of this is just like the unintentional networking that happens when you get a whole bunch of people in the same like quote room together. Um, and they share this love for something that in some cases they're really experts in and in other cases they may have never looked into tarot at all before. So they have to trust me when I'm just like, no, you'd be perfect at this. Like you're going to be great. It's going to be great. Your art's going to fit in really well. So those ty- those types of stories are my my favorite, I think. Yeah. And it just the way that you're describing it, it sounds very much in the vein of Pamela Coleman Smith with the way that she worked with her arts and the bohemian culture that she had in London when she created the uh, her deck. So kind of good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know a ton about her life, but I do know that um, Pamela Coleman Smith was really into, I think she was responsible for most of the symbolism Mm-hmm. So like it was all her her baby basically, and mm-hmm. I looked into things like oh what does the color red mean versus yellow in those traditional cards or like why is there a city versus a bridge in the background of these cards and every single thing that she put in these cards means something which I thought is really inspirational because she obviously loved the project enough to to put that much thought into every single card even the little minor arcana cards that usually people kind of overlook mm-hmm. so that that's really inspirational to me too, to be that um, detail oriented about it. Yeah. Now, speaking of color, yours is called the chromatic fates tarot yes. and it has a very fun chromatic s- scale, oh, yeah. but in color, what inspires you to do this theme? Um, honestly, it's just as simple as that. I love color myself um, and I love tarot. And when the project first started, uh, it didn't start intentionally. It was sort of an organic idea that rose. Um, me and my friend, John, John um, Niemeister, we were talking privately. I think this was around October or late September. And we were talking about personal art. Um, and he works for Smite. He's a professional illustrator. And we were talking about um, how tough it is to to do personal art and to deviate in your style when your fan base expects you to do a certain amount of things. And they, it's kind of like the more followers you get, the tougher it is to, to deviate from the norm of what people expect you to do. Mm-hmm. And he and I were talking about like, oh, it wouldn't it be cool if we had like a personal project that we could work on that gave us the excuse to do something really personal and evocative and sort of symbolic and a little surrealist basically, because it was different from what we normally do. And I was just, like, oh, we should do a tarot deck. <laughs> it just, it kind of like hit upon me because he's really great with color and I love color. And it just was this sort of brainstorm idea that I had. And I was like, oh, that's something that both of us would really like resonate with and we'd love to do. And then I started thinking, I was like, oh, I actually know a bunch of people that love color and they love symbolism. And I could easily see these people attaching different meanings to different colors. And that's sort of where I got the idea from. And then, of course, like I stayed up till three in the morning that night just thinking. I was like, oh, this could actually happen. And then one thing led to another. And I was like, oh, if we were to do a tarot tarot deck, what would 
be like, they have to be kind of a motif or a theme. And I came up with the idea of, um, it's actually pretty simple in retrospect. Like if you spread the deck out, I wanted it to, to be a gradient. I thought it would just be really stunning and beautiful to, to go from like reds to blues over the course of these 78 cards, if you kind of spread them out. So it's sort of like a just fun, almost shallow theme, but it really comes because everyone I know and that I've talked to um, has this genuine love for color and just vibrancy in their work and sort of like expressiveness that I associate with color usage. So that's, that's where it comes from for me. Um, and otherwise, like, I, like I'd love to do a tarot deck that's just black and white, but honestly, I'm terrible with black and white art. Uh. So I'd have to, I'd have to outsource more of that process to other people if I were to do that. Oh yeah. I love black and white. I'm yeah. not good with color with my own <laughs> illustrations. So it, it's, but you get really picky with line art when it's all black and white because yeah, you can just I, examine it so much. Uh, I'm honestly terrible at line art and examining things too much. Like I'm not... <laughs> I, I'm a perfectionist in some ways, and that's not one of those ways. I usually just get really fed up with my liner, and I'm just like, that's good enough, which yeah. is not super cohesive or, or conducive to a, a big project like that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't get hung up on each little card and all the little details because there's like 77 other cards yeah. you have to worry about. Yeah. yeah. So you have a Kickstarter. Can you tell us about yes. it? Yes. Uh, well, it is a huge project for me. So in terms of the experience of the Kickstarter, I could talk for days about the learning process of things that I've personally done to get ready for it. Um, but the, the campaign itself, in terms of tiers and when it launches and things, um, it's actually launching this Friday, so really soon. Um, yeah, it was initially supposed to launch earlier in the month, and then I, because I've never done a Kickstarter before, so... I basically ran into all these realizations of the amount of work that's involved. So I pushed it back a little bit. Um, and then I had the pre-launch page up. I submitted it for a review and they accepted it. So I have the uh, sort of like the notify me now or notify yes. me when it launches button that's live, which is really exciting. And it's kind of a breath of fresh air because I can start sharing it around while I perfect the, um, like the homepage or the scroll of the story mm -hmm. and I'm making all these graphics and things for it, which is actually really fun. Um, but the campaign itself, it'll, it'll be pretty simple relatively. We're going to do a few add-ons like, um, an altar cloth and a pin and some stickers. I want to do a, a sticker add-on that's just basically like a mini deck of tiny little stickers. So each card will have a little, <laughs> just, th there's something really adorable about this idea to me. So that's kind of my baby is these little add-on things. And, um, I have a few friends helping me with those, but. The main tiers will be just basically the deck and the early bird version of the deck, which will be kind of discounted. And then there's going to be like a collector's edition. Um, and then I have one higher end tier where you can, you can get like a print or an acrylic print of your favorite card. And it'll be sort of like a one-off, like you can reserve the death card in sort of a memorialized form if you'd like to. And that's sort of like for the, the collector collector that really wants to support our work a lot. But mm -hmm. the main reward will be the deck and hopefully all our stretch goals will be geared towards making it as pretty as possible. Um, we're gonna have like, hopefully a really nice box. And I wanna do like soft touch, um, like lamination coating for the cards because I think that's really nice. Um, and of course, gold. I'm really into 
gold detailing. <laughs> yeah, like gold foiling on things, things just makes yeah. it look just chef kiss. <laughs> Hopefully the, great. the box and the um the card edges. Um, I'd love to do gold foil detailing as parts of the art itself, kind of like um I got this idea from the book Rainbow Fish, the, the little oh, kids' yeah. book, like way back when. Um, which I've always loved that aesthetic, like colors mixed with little foil details. Um mm-hmm. It turns out that is a huge process. Um, the printer wants us to do Adobe Illustrator files for each of these cards. So that would be like a major stretch goal. I think that's going to be the the major goal that I'm looking forward to. A bunch of the other stretch goals, like um, like a little, little white booklet, they call it for tarot, um, that you could include with a deck would be a more lower end reasonable one because it's more commonly included with a quote from the manufacturer so i'm more prepared for like the gold edges on the cards and the the soft coat touch and the little booklet but the gold foil that i really want is going to be a major stretch goal so we'll see yeah hopefully that'll happen (laughs) yeah let's hope so it it launches may 28th which is really exciting i already am watching the project so Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing how well it does. I know we'll we'll promote it and oh, thank uh, you. help you along. So with that, can Christina and Jen return from the ether to join <laughs> us in the circle? Hello. Hey. Hello. It's magic. I know. I know. Um, magic. So are you doing all the design too? Like, are do you have someone helping you with, I mean... When I when I heard, first heard you, because I remember you tweeting about having you know looking for artists and stuff, and 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 I was thinking, oh my gosh, this looks like so much work to lay this out, and like like yeah. the booklet. Did you write the booklet too, or like like is is there like a standard? Um, uh, um, the the booklet hasn't been written yet. We have a lot of blurbs and writing material from the artists um that will be used for the booklet but that's one of the things that i would be doing during the month of the kickstarter probably while sharing with the backers like here's a excerpt from the book that we're writing type of thing um design wise it's a little tricky because um one thing that i didn't anticipate which is something that i learned for if i ever do this type of project again is that one of the downsides of getting 78 art styles is that getting a a border that works with every single art style is actually really hard. So we iterated a whole bunch of different designs. Um, Me and another artist named Carly, who's really amazing. She has a really beautiful graphic style where she uses color really well. And she gave me all these ideas and they were, it's kind of a little, it's a little heartbreaking because they're gorgeous. but they just didn't work with some of the art of the cards because some of them are more rendered. Some of them are more detail intense. Um, Like some of them have way more black in them and some of them don't. And I was finding as I was doing these mock-ups of these cards that there wasn't really a design that worked super well. So I ended up um, doing the design of the border myself because I was already handling all the card files myself. And what I settled on was um, a thin border in color. And then I hand drew colored gradients as the outer border for all these cards. And it was really time consuming, but honestly it was really rewarding because I got to sort of personally have a hand in 
the color balance and sort of like the complementary colors that went well with every single card that we had. Um, so design wise, that that was a time consuming factor that I didn't take into account at first. But in the future, I would definitely like I would make the border first. That's what I learned from this. And then I would give it to the artist as part of the template, which I should have done and didn't think to do. Um, but yeah, I, I'm learning how to outsource and how to collaborate and delegate. I'm not very good at it. So there's not a ton of it. There is going to be um, a lot of collaboration with other people when it comes to the pin and the altar cloth. I have my friend Sam doing the pin and Key, Key Klein, who's a really incredible artist doing the altar cloth design. So it'll be a lot of um, other artist names showing up when the like the add-ons are announced on the Kickstarter and things like that. And probably the box design and the topography and then the booklet design, I'm gonna have um, a graphic design help with, which we have within the pool of artists, which is really lucky. We have a huge variety of people's um, like graphic or rendering or painting skills in the group. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, do yes. you think you'd undertake, like, like, I, I guess this is, it's probably early to ask if you would do something like this again, or, uh, you know. <laughs> I, it's, I'm so stressed out now that my heart <laughs> says no. <laughs> like, I'm so tired and stressed out. Um, but honestly, it's been really fun. Like the group that we ended up with, um, all in all, the 78 of us or 77 or something, works so well together that it's really a joy to talk to people so that makes me think that yes but probably not for years like maybe five years from now we'll do a different theme deck but still somehow themed around color um i'm looking forward to doing my own projects because there's less there's less anxiety involved for me when it doesn't involve other people so i mean it's hard to say but probably yes especially because i've picked up all these skills that would make the next project a lot easier i think in terms of management mm -hmm. and design and things like that you can always do a talking board a talking board mm -hmm. like a talking a board. board yeah like a ouija oh, board wow. yeah that it we you only have to focus on many, one yeah. thing yeah there are not very many yeah we were saying that there's like anymore. a dearth of people that do that kind of stuff it seems like you know a lot of people do tarot decks and those are very art intensive and you know maybe there's some mm -hmm. Less yeah. <laughs> art intensive. I can tell you, I have um, a plan for another color because I created, it's called like the color tarot project. And it's sort of this catch-all phrase for like the endeavor in general. And then the chromatic fates is our first deck. But I think the next color tarot project deck I work on would be my own work. Um, and I'm planning it now. I just actually mapped out all 78 cards and it's going to be after the the marseille style the tarot de marseille tarot de marseille i think it's called is um a little more simplistic the cards are a little smaller um the pips or the minor arcana are more abstracted designs so it's not as narrative intense but i'm planning to do mermaids <laughs> oh Ooh. nice yeah I'm that'd be do, cool and i I'm, I'm just obsessed with um matching symbols to a system so like I matched them to gemstones I came up with this list of like 78 different gemstones and then I researched kind of like the symbolism behind different stones and different colors and then kind of paired them off with different cards and their symbols 
And then it, it kind of like, it took me till two in the morning because you, know, you can't stop when you start something like this, but I'm really excited for the mermaid thing, but that's probably also like four years down the line. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine how much work it's going to be, but I love doing stuff like that. Just um, anything with color and symbolism is a lot of fun for me. Mm-hmm. Now, do you uh, like uh, ever do your own readings with cards? Like, have you, or is that something you're as into? Like, do you ever, um, you said I, you don't have much of a sensitivity. I don't, I treat them more, um, almost like how people treat Oracle decks more so, where they use them for inspiration and for kind of kickstarting what your intuition is telling you that you're interested in, if that makes sense. Um, so I'll occasionally play with tarot decks and sort of like pull cards and use it to sort of like brainstorm ideas for things, usually for stories. Um, but no, I don't do any sort of like ritualistic reading. I'm, this might be a disappointment to tarot fans. I, I'm sorry. I, well, I don't know a lot about the ritual of tarot. Um, well, it's actually, and I it- use them... What? Oh, go on, finish your sentence, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that I use them more as like a creative aid in terms of my own, my own creative process in drawing, but not so much for fortune telling. We were just saying that uh, in in the brief history of tarot that we did before, that's actually Mm -hmm. how tarot cards started was aristocracy Mm -hmm. would use the cards. They didn't use them for divination, but almost as story prompts. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I know that it was sort of a courtly game. Yes. So that's, yeah, that's cool to hear. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. what does the tower card mean? The, t- the tower card basically means calamity. Like if you pull mm-hmm. the tower card, your first reaction should be like, oh no, like something <laughs> terrible is going to happen. It usually depicts, um, most tower cards will have a picture of a tower and then lightning striking the tower and then something collapsing or being destroyed. It basically means a disaster is about to happen. Um, And the reason it's so important and because the reason why tarot is so important in order is because it follows a story. So like the, the card that comes after the tower is the star And actually in our deck, I was really excited because I got um, Philip Byers, who's an amazing artist to do our star card. And he's really well known for doing imagery of towers. And I was like, okay, well, we already have a tower artist, but could you do like a sister card that also has a tower, but way more uplifting and more hopeful because the star card means basically hope after disaster. Like you think you, you basically hit rock bottom and then you learn to pick yourself up and see what you still have and to sort of like appreciate what comes next after the disaster strikes. So I really love pairing the tower and the star together just narratively because I think it's a really uplifting message, especially for like 2020 and then 2021 where everyone's just like hitting rock bottom here. But Mm -hmm. yeah, the tower is a bad card in general, unfortunately. Now, did you find as you did research, like a card kept showing up? Like, did you have like any kind of card that seemed to be like, like, oh, synch- man. like a synchrony? Like every, every time you like would open a deck, this card would come up. Did you? I want to say um, a lot of what I found, not a specific card, but a lot of the coin cards turned out to be really significant um, because I associate them 
basically when the artists were brought on board, I tried to give them cards that I thought they would resonate with really well. And the whole point, my, my hope was that each artist would identify with the card that they picked and be able to really put themselves into the imagery really well. And what I found was a lot of people wanted coin cards because it has to do with perseverance and the creative process and basically hard work, which if you're among a bunch of artists, especially if they're trying to break into an industry, it's just naturally what you're going to find people are interested in. Um, but I think in terms of like weird coincidences, I think the eight of swords kept coming up, which is kind of a dark card too. So I don't know what that means. The eight of swords means basically you're trapped by something or you feel trapped by something and you need to sort of see your way out of a self-imposed prison, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if that speaks to the project at all, but I think there's sort of like a dark undercurrent to a lot of tarot cards that the artists did really well with, because even the darkest cards, I think they, they brought this vibrancy and this sense of hope and perseverance to it that I think artists inherently understand, um, especially if they've been working for a long time in the industry and sort of kind of forging their own path. It's something that they can really speak to. And that's one unexpected bonus of the project is that all the cards are ultimately uplifting or even playful. Like our devil card is, he, he climbed at the devil card and it's just like joyous to see. It's, this, it's super multicolored with like a black background. It's really amazing. But yeah, eight of swords for whatever reason. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the future, I can tell you what that means. So is, is the devil card often considered a bad card? Like It is um, in a different way where the tower, the tower is more like a fortune telling bad thing. Like, oh, something bad is going to happen. The devil usually symbolizes a figure in your life or a temptation. It's basically the temptation card. It usually stands for vice or addiction. Um, and it depicts two lovers. In the traditional card, there's there's two lovers standing side by side and they're chained. And then there's the devil. Um, and it can mean all sorts of things, but usually it's more of a forewarning of something that you can change. Whereas the tower is more of a forewarning of something is going to happen. It's all about how you recover from it once it does happen, if that makes sense. And what's yeah. a, oh, go on. Uh, oh no I was just looking through the different cards and the thing that struck me was I actually didn't know the four different minor arcana like I know there's swords and I know there's cups but I think yeah. there's other things besides that and I don't know <laughs> what they all mean like their oh, symbology I can, I can give you a quick rundown um at yeah. least in the traditional deck so the minor arcana has four suits and some tarot Creators will differ a little bit, but in general, there's wands, swords, cups, and um, coins or pentacles. Traditionally, it's called pentacles, but a lot of people, including me, call them coins. Um, and they're actually interesting because they evolved to the modern playing deck system. So you see like spades was swords. Um, I think diamonds was coins. I can't quite remember now, but they have elements attached. Um, so coins are earth and wands are fire, cups are water and swords are air. And 
there's sort of a deep symbolism. So um, all of the symbolic meanings kind of have to do with the elements like coins or earth have a lot of meanings that have to do with um, sort of earthly concerns or materialistic concerns. So you see a lot of themes of work and wealth and legacy. Like the ton of coins is actually a really amazing card to pull because it depicts this um, kind of like idyllic familial legacy of basically you've become wealthy and you're providing for your children and you've established a legacy. So it's this really nice, like happy ending card. Um, whereas swords have a lot of the more traditionally dark cards. And I think it's because they symbolize intellect. So there's air and then it's sort of the suit of the mind. So a lot of the darker cards, like eight of swords I talked about um, is not so much like a materialistic prison in the real sense. It's more of a state of mind. So tarot's main purpose is to guide you through different situations where a lot of times the problem is your own state of mind or your consideration or your mindset or your lack of options. Um, so like three of swords is also a terrible card to pull. The three of swords is actually, I think one of the darkest in the entire deck. It's the, it's the one that depicts um, usually a heart pierced by three swords in a storm. And it basically stands for pain and betrayal. It has a lot of themes of um, just anguish. And again, it's like a mental card. It, it stands more for, um, I keep wanting to say emotion, but it's separated from the cup suit in a, it's sort of more internalized. Um, cups is all about, I mean, you, you have associations with water, right? That are, I think, ingrained in everything. So it's like deep emotions, passions, um, intuition. It's the intuition suit. So with cups, you have like queen of cups is sort of the um, motherhood or like compassionate figure in your life. So if you have a really positive relationship with like your mother, that that's the typical queen of cups card, which is a really positive one. Um, and then wands, wands and coins are sort of the artists. <laughs> the one that artists I think love because wands is fire, um, but it also stands for creativity. So it stands for a type of passion that's associated with uh, adventurous spirits, um, sort of, impetus and willpower. There's a lot of themes of willpower and perseverance in the wands cards. And they're, they're kind of the hardest to pinpoint, but I think they're one of the coolest to pull. Like if you were to actually do a tarot reading, pulling wands cards is actually really positive because it stands for like a lot of self agency and um, like starting your own projects, going on adventures, like journeying forth. That's a very, very fiery type of thing to do. So they all have deep meanings and they kind of interplay a little bit, but in general, you can separate them based on like, is this a materialistic concern? Is it intellectual? Is it to do with your intuition or is it to do with your willpower? So that's that's kind of why I love the minor arcana because they get really in depth with very specific situations and ways to, to navigate life. It's really fascinating. Oh, thank yeah. yeah, thanks for explaining yeah. that. No one has yeah. done that for me before. Yeah. That's a uh, do you also like is, is i guess when the cards are upside down do they usually mean the opposite is that a misconception yeah. or is it like more nuanced than that um kind of both that's in general what it is um i have a a more limited understanding of the negative or the reversals they call them um i just haven't memorized a lot of them but in general it usually means the opposite 
So like, um, for example, the magician card in the major arcana um, stands for power, basically, and wisdom and knowledge, basically, like, you are the master of your craft, or a person in your life has a lot of power or knowledge to impart upon you. It's a really good card. But if it's reversed, it can stand for um, lack of power or manipulation. So if you pull a reversed magician, it's kind of sinister because it's almost warning you um, maybe about a person or about a helplessness in your own life, or it's basically telling you you are being manipulated by someone else. Or if it stands for yourself, because some tarot spreads have a specific position that stand for yourself versus other people. Um, it can mean that you are in a position where you're manipulating someone or are being manipulated or you just have no power at all. So whatever positive connotations of a card um you can think of in general when they're reversed you can you can sort of like just invert it mm -hmm. to the opposite and they're almost always negative but not always i don't think mm -hmm. like the well, tower reverse would be good yeah i think though i can't imagine why maybe it means you'll build something narrowly avoid disaster or you know maybe <laughs> maybe it means you know that, that you're going to build a build something or you yeah, know. they I mean, they all have their own meanings, and I haven't looked into them as much. Um, and some people don't play with the reversals at all, and oh, they just pulls. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I personally like them, and design wise, it's a little tricky. Um, I designed for Carly, and I designed the back of our cards specifically to be reversed because it's more versatile for for people that read tarot. Um, initially, we had a design that was really cool. It was a uh, our whole theme is, we have like an organic theme that just arose for some reason. A lot of people were drawing trees. So I was like, oh, like we can play with the idea of leaves and trees. So she drew this really awesome crystalline leaf design that I think is gorgeous, but it wasn't reversible and it was driving me nuts. I was like, do I want to limit the audience that might go for this deck because they play with reversals or do I want to go with a design that I really love? And ultimately, went, we went with another idea of hers of a tree with like points of light and color that can be reversed in a really clever way. So that was a design decision that I very intentionally took into account because of reversals. Um, so it's it's just different. You'll encounter cards that you can't reverse the back or anything, but you can still play with reversals. They're pretty fun, in my opinion. Yeah. That's interesting. So, because one of my questions was going to be, what's the best card to pull? And it sounds like it's the 10 of coins or pentacles. Oh, yeah. There's tons of them that are really great to pull. Um, oh, what would be the best? I think that would depend on the person who's being read. Yeah. Um, the tens are really interesting because they're so polarized. Like the 10 of swords is horrible. Um, that's the one with 10 swords sticking out of a guy's back. And he's just like, lying face down in a pool of blood like that's literally the card <laughs> it's just bad that's like, oh that sounds like a wonderful <laughs> yeah. tuesday afternoon yeah that ten too. of swords is like ultimately betrayal ten of coins is really good um ten of wands is bad but not quite as bad um let's see what is the ten of oh ten of cups is also really good so ten of cups or ten of swords or sorry ten of cups or ten of coins would be great um nine of cups or nine of coins would also be good 
a lot of the nines because they all the um the aces through tens go through their own stories so a lot of like the middle cards usually involve a lot of hard work and then the upper levels are sort of like the endings of the stories in a way so if you pull a nine or a 10, it can sometimes be really positive because it stands for someone that's reached the end of their journey. So like nine of coins has, it's the one with the, um, a woman figure and she's holding a bird in her hand and the coins in the background symbolize um, sort of like plenty. Um, so it stands for like basically a figure that has reached a high level of success, but in the distance of the traditional card, you can see sort of like a castle or a village, I think it is. And it basically means that you are in a position of success, but you are still far from home. Like you have yet to return. So that's why the 10 of coins is the idea of like, you have now returned with the fruits of your labor, literally, and you are now sharing it amongst your family and you, you're creating something from what you've earned. Um, so nine, or, nine and 10s are usually really good, but I'm trying to think of any major arcana cards that would be really good to pull. Um, definitely the star, the star, the sun, the world, and probably like the empress and the high priestess would be my favorite ones to pull in terms of just positive imagery, especially the sun. The sun and the world are, I almost think they're a little boring in my opinion, just because they're so positive. <laughs> It's basically like, I think the world is the one that traditionally shows a baby on a horse and there's just like a parade and the sun in the background. And it's just like, everything is great. Everything's worked out great. <laughs> yeah. Everything really is awesome. Card. It's just like not super artistically interesting for me. Um, that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, the, the card that I always liked the artwork from as, as a kid was Wheel of Fortune. I always thought that was yes. an interesting one. Yeah, that's a tricky one because the uh, the Weight Rider Smith Wheel of Fortune um, has so much esoteric symbolism in it. It's almost incomprehensible these days. Like it has um, like a Sphinx character, I think. It has some sort of a whole bunch of symbolism that to today's audience means nothing. But um, that's why it's really cool to look at indie decks and see the way they tackle the wheel of fortune because it it basically stands for what it sounds like this idea of like fate and the the concept of if you're on top you will soon be on the bottom and vice versa and um just the unpredictability of what you're going through um our, yeah our wheel of fortune artist barbara i think she did she did like a ship's wheel Oh, so I'm really excited for that. So she has the traditional imagery where the figure is blindfolded, mm -hmm. but it's this huge ship's wheel to symbolize just basically like you are in control, but you don't necessarily always know what's going to happen or where you're going. So I think that was pretty cool. But yeah it's, yeah, it's an interesting card. It's almost a chaotic card to pull, which doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and you're right. It would be very complicated unless you're yeah. <laughs> pulled in runes and alchemy exactly, and yeah. old religions so for those of you who don't have it it's the hermetic magical religious system is on it as well as alchemy and it, yeah. if you're looking at it you're just it's kind of it's very similar to Taoism and your directions and your um feng shui with like north being the phoenix and the south being the uh tiger um it's very much like that so but just from a hermetic 
uh, background. So. Yeah, that um, I I love alchemy in general and the imagery involved in that. Um, I do not know nearly enough about hermetic imagery or even alchemy imagery to be able to interpret these cards, let alone give a reading based on these imagery. So I have a very surface level understanding of that one. The other one that's super, super esoteric is the moon card. I think it has a, a crayfish in it, which yes, it symbolizes does. something. Yeah. And our artist, Aria Fawn, is the artist that did our moon card. And she actually included the crayfish because she thought the imagery was really cool. And I'm just like, good for you. Like, this is amazing. It's not something that I would find a way to interpret in my own art, but she pulled it off really well. Um, the moon is interesting too. It usually has like a dog and a wolf which I've read symbolizes um, sort of reason and wildness or like the bestial nature of the human psyche or something like that. They get really, Pamela Anderson Smith was incredibly into symbolism of every single thing she put into these cards, um, but it's not always readable by modern audiences that might not have any understanding of these, these mindsets. So. I let the artists basically include as many of these old Easter eggs as they wanted, which turned out to be really fun. So a lot of our cards do have things like crayfish in the moon and a wolf and things like that. But usually it's it's geared towards sort of like a modern understanding and associations with different imagery. So it's a good mix. So in the book, you're basically going to have each artist's statement. So like the. the yeah, that, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, we're going to try and include as much as much as they're comfortable talking about because everyone has a different level of um, awareness and intentionality behind what they've chosen to do. I let them be as, as intuitive as they want it to be. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try and get as much info out of them as possible and then write it up. I want to do I want to do a PDF version that I can give to everyone as part of the Kickstarter. And then the the tinier little book that'll go the physical deck too. So hopefully we'll have both. And the PDF at least will have like big colorful images of these cards because they're really amazing in, in full digital color. Well, we can't wait to look at them. I mean, yeah, I can't really wait exciting. to see these. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I already love just the promotional photo that you have on um, the Kickstarter. <laughs> The, the, the one is in the central, it is a day glow card with a skull and purple flowers around it. And I'm like, yes, I don't know what card that is, but yes, I like it. Yeah, that, um, that sounds like our death card, but I'd have to see. A it's a skull within a, a, it's a teal skull within a magenta lotus with a, uh, Oh, it was a coral color moon behind it and it looks very day glow oh oh okay yeah yeah it's direct center of your photo it's direct center in the promotional but it has a skull in it so of course my interests are up oh if you love skulls <laughs> yeah i i love to draw skulls myself they're in almost everything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's well, awesome <laughs> well this makes me want to look at decks closer i mean you've really clarified for me a lot of stuff i mean i've like idly looked through them but i don't know that much about them so it's really been interesting to hear you discuss what they all mean so i can't wait to see the cards in person yeah it's one of those things where it's like i always recommend just going like getting into tarot for anyone even if you're not into the idea of reading the future with them 
just because the symbolism is so deep that the more you learn, the more ideas start sparking. I don't know. I like pairing cards together and kind of like coming up with ideas just based on the, the way the symbolism suggests a narrative based on like what's what's in the before and what's in the after pile and stuff like that. So it's it's really awesome, especially for anyone that's creative, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm so reading. One, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, one last question is the Kickstarter starts on the 28th, but when could people expect to get their cards? Oh, um, my, well, what I'm saying in the Kickstarter is probably February of 2022. It's a, it's a very conservative estimate. Um, basically I'm operating under the assumption that COVID will cause problems. It's caused problems for everyone I know that's done Kickstarters in the last year or so. Um, so it's just something that I'm taking into account as to not disappoint backers. I'm Mm -hmm. hoping to have the bulk of the orders in by the end of this year like by winter i should have the order from manufacturer unless something goes wrong mm-hmm. so it's um and i'm promising early bird backers i think by october or november that they should be out because if even with a delay the deck should be to me by september um almost all the cards are done probably most time consuming part is going to be doing the gold like the foil detailing for every card um but yeah, if everything goes according to schedule, it should be done this fall and then shipped out by the end of winter. So yeah. Is yeah. it being printed domestically or you have to do it overseas? No, it's being printed overseas. Uh, domestically would just be too costly, especially because um, if you go domestic cards, a lot of times they they go overseas themselves if you do things like gold foiling which I learned just in the course of this product, very few companies in the States will do huge bulk orders with certain things like certain types of lamination, certain foiling details. They just ship it out overseas anyway. So I went directly to a manufacturer in China and I've been talking to them for months. So they're really cool. I'm really looking forward to seeing these things in person. And they sent me a bunch of sample packs, which was really fun to go through and kind of like pick my ideal cards and stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Really exciting. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today and and sharing your knowledge of tarot. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And like definitely let me know if you if you have fun with the decks and if you resonate with certain cards, because I think that's so fascinating that people have favorites that they just kind of click with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And and we were just saying that that a big project like this on last week's episode because because um you know uh cat and i both do some do comics and then i do a lot of picture books and i said after each project i feel like i bought a big boss monster and like how many experience (laughs) points did i get and you know this seems like a huge thing so like it's really huge i'm i'm definitely looking forward to i think i'm just going to become a hermit after this (laughs) picture ends i'm just going to like leave twitter sail off into the sunset and just like draw mermaids for a few months or something that <laughs> there has to be like... a card which card is that <laughs> that's uh the six of swords i think yeah. <laughs> Look it up. might i suggest a mermaid skeleton that yeah, would be see, cool. awesome it is that is cool there you go. yeah yeah cool. that would be cool that would be that would be the death card in her mermaid deck Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I would say that 
was or... it the ten of swords where you got mm. the dead mermaid with yeah. all of the swords in it oh, yeah man see you got it you can make your own deck now you yeah <laughs> yeah they're flowing already <laughs> yeah they are i i was thinking like uh I think death would be an eel or something that is undersea that sheds skin. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe like a um, uh, the devil would be like a what do they call those? The lure fish with the light. Oh yeah, the angler. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. an angler fish. Yeah, that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. A little pair of a little couple of fish. Yes. Yeah. Now <laughs> joined together, it's starting to look like Pisces, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but before we go, is there like? We noticed even just yesterday, Jen and I went to a store that sold a lot of tarot decks and there was a lot of cat tarot decks. And Mm -hmm. we were wondering if there was a weird tarot deck you saw in your research that you were like, I can't believe someone made this. And I'm not saying in a bad or good way. Like, was there something very odd you saw? Like, like you Um, said, like angler fish uh, (laughs) tarot or something. Oh, I've come across a lot of them. The one that jumps out to me, uh, it's not it's not even weird in a bad way or even that weird, but I came across this deck that has really cute frogs and like woodland critters just drawn in a super cute, like big eyes and like kind of Alice in Wonderland fashion. And Mm -hmm. it's in my Amazon cart. I want to get this deck like as a reward for myself because it's so cute. Um, I don't even remember the name of it. I'll have to get back to you, but yeah, there's a bunch of animal themed ones out there. I've run into some that are like deep sea creatures. I think there's a one on Kickstarter right now that's about to launch. It's all about deep sea creatures. You can basically make a deck about anything, like which is kind of the beauty of tarot. If you can create a system out of anything you're passionate about, you're ready to go. So yeah, the cat themes, I don't really know why. That's a really popular deck too. Like the cat tarot is famous. Whoever did it is a genius. They hit the right market somehow, but they did. They really did. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the cute frog tarot. I guess. <laughs> well, considering during this interview, I've had to break up a kitten fight. That's what I was. Yeah, is that what that was? Yeah, the kittens were fighting. I hope you didn't hear growling because, like, at one point, I didn't point, hear growling, but I kitten. heard some very obvious cat sounds. I'm like, well, something's yeah, the cat, the, the the the. I have I adopted two kittens that are brothers, and they oh. they started wrestling by my feet. Of course, you were talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess that they they were doing their own kind of thing. Yes, yeah. they got to be part of everything. Yes, they they. Do. What are their names? Um. Conan and Bob. Oh. So Bob's a Bob kid. So that's what it's called. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. That's cute. <laughs> they're, they're very cute, but they're, it, it's fun watching them play together. We've always wanted to adopt, you know, sibling kittens. Mm. So mm-hmm. it, it's been really yeah. fun. But I like watching one... Bob walk around you just because I like how yeah. Bobtails walk. Yeah, but he then... got a sachets. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Got that's why they that's why they have all these cat decks because you know all these crazy cat ladies like i you know obviously you know and well you have attitudes my... cats have strong personalities so i can definitely see it being mm-hmm. a thing with all these different card meanings what did you say mm-hmm. there's a hello kitty deck? there is a hello kitty deck somebody pointed out to me a few years ago 
Nothing is stranger and more surreal than seeing Hello Kitty dressed up as the Grim Reaper on the back <laughs> of a pale horse. Well, you know, I was just thinking about the heart with the swords in it. <laughs> like I don't know which one the... I want to see. Did, did they did they off Keropi? Like what? Oh. I want to see what this card looks like. But with the cute forest animal ones too, I'm thinking with the darker like the tower and the ten of There's swords. There's a lot like, of like dark humor involved in these lighter decks, which I personally find hilarious but yeah i don't know well, yeah I'm- you're among friends here we probably all find it funny <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we get we get the interesting discussions here that's what the podcast is for. <laughs> yeah so before you leave stephanie can you give out all of your social media where people can find you yeah um so on twitter i am stephanie underscore draws on instagram i'm per stephanie spelled P-E-R-S-T-E-P-H-A-N-E. Um, my website is stephaniedraws.com. And I think Facebook, if you just type in slash Stephanie Koss, it should come up. I, I honestly rarely use Facebook. So Twitter and Instagram are the ways to find me. Yes. Expect Red Cat Comics to be following you soon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and well, Jen Kohler. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again. This has been really informative. Thanks yeah. 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 It means a lot that you had me on. This was really fun. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. And it will drop uh, midnight on the uh, second. Perfect. Second. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to look at the calendar and I was like, and, and of course it still says May. So I was like, uh, what day is that? Yeah. yeah. Something. It really comes out to be like Tuesday night, but it's like Wednesday. So, yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll send you a link when it's when it's up. I'll cut it early next week. And uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, it's been really great. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck. I hope that it. uh, I hope it. Hope it like you know goes really fast, so you don't have to. Yeah. You know, fingers crossed. It's it's gonna be a mixed bag. I. I vacillate between feeling really optimistic and super nervous. I'm just like, I want to climb into a little hobbit hole and, you know, be a hermit forever. I think that's how we were too last year with our Mm. comic book Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it was like, do people want this product that we're putting out on Kickstarter? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you're halfway there. Yes, you are. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this time next week, I'll be in a completely different mindset. Hopefully a really good mindset. <laughs> yeah, if, well, if it goes well. Possibly yeah. by the time this airs, it might have already funded. So Ooh, that would yeah. be great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's hard to say, but you know, that's what I'll be hoping for. Mm-hmm. It, it'll fund. I mean, I it looks really great with the amount of artists that you have and stuff, you know, with their yeah. networks. And stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm having a ton of fun just making graphics like I think last night I spent a, a few hours just cutting out white space around cards to make them look as modern as possible and making gold borders and I don't know I'm, I'm in danger of getting a little too into it but hopefully it'll <laughs> well, when, when we did our kickstarter I got obsessed with making uh, flaming skull animation yeah you made so. a lot of flaming skulls <laughs> dancing yeah. flaming skulls flying flaming skulls totally worth it yeah you cannot have great. too many you, yeah, yeah, oh, you, you never can have too many that's that's what we always <laughs> joke about our, our um 
because Norman Rockwell had said, you know, if, if a if, if a composition is not working, add a dog, and if it's still not working, put a bandage on the dog's leg. And oh, our, <laughs> yeah. And and our and, and our fantasy art um, uh, similar saying is if a drawing's not working add a skull and if it's still not working add more skulls and if it's still not working <laughs> add a dragon i mean yeah <laughs> it works it does work it does work <laughs> all right um, that's that good note. advice <laughs> on that note skulls yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th thanks for being on and um yeah. we'll let you know when it's up yeah have a good night yeah bye thanks Thanks Thank so you much. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. See ya.